doing. I'm working on my self-esteem, not my self-confidence. And what's the difference between self-esteem and self-confidence? And if you're not confident and you don't feel that you are, you have self-worth, self-importance, uh, that you are valuable to the world. And the reason I ask that question is a lot of people share that with me on a regular basis. Rowie, I don't feel like I add value to the world. I'm not important. And here's an interesting question. If self-esteem comes from the inside, is it possible that what's happening on the outside doesn't matter? What people think of me, what people think of you, could it be irrelevant if you like who you are? And the expert suggested that is exactly what self-confidence is not. Self-confidence comes from other people thinking we're bloody good. So if somebody tells us you're beautiful, you're intelligent, you're good at what you do, you're really fit and strong, you're amazing, we start to feel more confident because other people are telling us that. If things are happening on the outside to make our life feel good, we tend to feel more confident. But self-esteem is the reverse of that. Imagine having the whole world against you. Everybody hates you. People are saying horrible things about you, but you still like you. And how do you get to that point? And of course, you have to like you. You have to have self-respect. You have to believe that you're a great person, which means you have to be a great person. So how do you make that happen? It's not airy-fairy, motivational, rah-rah. What if it was as simple as two things? What if you were physically tough and strong and mentally tough and strong so that it didn't matter what the world threw at you, you could handle it? How would that make you feel on the inside? The uh, neuroscientist, psychologist, psychiatrist suggests that our self-esteem is our internal driver. It's like our engine. doesn't matter how pretty a car is on the outside. If it doesn't have an engine, it's not going anywhere. And I share that with you because obviously in the exercise business, uh, in the world of uh, gyms and personal trainers and now social media influencers and all the things that we see, uh, beautiful bodies and beautiful people and ripped abdominals and tight butt cheeks, None of that makes us feel good unless the inside feels good. So if you're tough and strong on the inside, it doesn't matter what the outside looks like. There's a lot of people, I'm sure you've met them, they're beautiful on the outside, but their internal driver, their engine isn't working. So how do you get strong self-esteem? How do you like who you are? How do you respect yourself? How do you make sure that when you wake up every day, you can look in the mirror and be really proud of who you are and live your life not caring what other people think? And there's a lot of psychology involved, of course, but what about the physiology? If your brain is mentally tough, if your body is physically tough, is it possible that you can handle anything and you'll feel good? And the physiology of that is really simple, and we've got physiology on our side. Because when you're mentally tough, it happens because you have a chemical response, a chemical change in your brain. It doesn't come from a pretty pink box that falls out of the sky. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, I'm, I just get really excited because our body is capable of making us feel good. We just have to force it to do it, which is what I've been doing here every 15 minutes for 10 seconds, I punch the bag, skip rope, do jump squats, jump on the cross trainer, do something to get puffed. Because when you get really puffed, when you work at 100% effort, your brain chemistry changes. And the, re the reverse of getting puffed, producing epinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol to get you 
to be able to work at 100% effort. The change of the chemicals in the brain after that is dopamine reward drug. I feel rewarded because I've done something of value. I feel satisfied, serotonin, neurotransmitter of satisfaction. Dopamine, uh, serotonin, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is a fertilizer for your brain. Endorphins, which is the painkiller that makes sure we can do all of that stuff. Those neurotransmitters make us feel good on the inside, which means it doesn't matter what's, and I'll just use a simple example. People can bully you, say nasty things about you, be horrible to you, and they will probably. We live in a world now where it seems quite normal to do that. And if you are just living your normal day and you've just got a normal heart rate and somebody says something nasty to you, you'll probably get stressed. The best thing to do, of course, then is to fight and flight, which is get puffed, lift heavy, combination of both, as I shared, punch bag, skip rope, do something to get de-stressed. But I I pre-frame that every single day I have to deal with nasty stuff, ugly stuff, horrible stuff. And I, I, my brain is so ready for it because every 15 minutes I get physically puffed. So when I get a nasty email or a stressful telephone call or I get, over, when I say overloaded, I get uh, bombarded every day with negative stuff. But I handle it incredibly well and it doesn't hurt my feelings. It doesn't upset me because I've got strong self-esteem and that doesn't come from hoping to feel good. It comes from being physically fit and physically strong and not from exercise, which is 45-minute class, 30-minute plod jog, one-hour walk. To me, that is not the way to change your brain and it physically doesn't change your brain. You've got to get puffed. And you've got to overload your muscles and bones or a combination of both. And then you'll get that change of brain chemistry, which makes you feel good on the inside. So that's the first step. Get physically fit and strong so that you're mentally tough, so that you can handle all the stuff that life throws at you. The next thing is if you don't have a purpose, if you don't wake up with, I've got a real reason to get going, uh, then what's the driver? If If you just hoping that life's going to be awesome, if you're hoping that people like you, if you hope to fit in with the crowd, if you hope that uh, things are going to be good for you at some stage in your life and you're not driving towards that, striving towards it, doing things every day, and I'll, I'll go the reverse of that. If you promise yourself that you're going to do something and you don't do it, how does that make you feel about yourself? If you wake up with a purpose, you get up and do it and go, and then you've done it, what happens to your self-esteem? You feel good because you've achieved something, you've had a purpose, you've set a goal, you've achieved the goal, so you feel good. Obviously, there's a reverse to that. If you set a goal, promise yourself that you're going to do something, promise somebody else you're going to do something, and you don't do it, how does that make you feel? Uh, if you've got core values, if you've got non-negotiable standards, if you've got things that you believe in, if you've got things that you would die for and you negotiate any of those or you do, you go against those to suit the crowd, to fit in with other people, to hope that people like you, what happens to your self-esteem? What happens to your in, in, ter, interior driver? Is it possible that it rusts away? Every time you negotiate a non-negotiable standard, every time you do something that you know isn't the right thing to do, everything you, every time you make a promise to, you, to yourself or to somebody else and you don't keep that promise, what happens to your internal driver? It gets rusty, it breaks down, it gets a nick, it gets a cut, it gets a break, and before long we're broken. And I share that with uh, much sadness 
because I deal with people every day who are broken. They've, they've literally spent their whole life, whether they're 20, 40, 60, 80, promising themselves they're going to do stuff, setting goals and not achieving them, losing weight, gaining weight, getting fit, getting unfit again, making promises to the world and not keeping it, keeping them, making promises to other people and not keeping them, and then they are just broken. Now, how do you change that? And this is a really simple process, and it's a very simple exercise. Uh, it changed my life completely. Uh, the people that I've given this special gift to and they've applied it to their life, it's changed their life completely. And it goes like this, because we often talk about setting big goals and achieving big stuff. But is it possible that you've got to do one step before you can sprint? You've got to achieve small things before you achieve big, big things. You've got to learn how to save a dollar before you can become a hundredaire, a millionaire, a multimillionaire. It's the little steps at the start that could make the difference. So the exercise is this simple. Pick five things. Now, it might be more, but five's a great number because you can connect it to your hand. I always use that example. Pick five things that you would find very easy to do every single day. Very simple things. But the exercise is that you commit to them, you never miss, and you just do them. The very first time I heard this, it was, to me, it sounded just far too easy to be true. But I'll, I'll cut a very long story short. Uh, I've had lots of different examples of simple things to do every day, but my first ones were something like this. It was to learn a new word every day, uh, drink water every day, eat one piece of fruit or vegetable every day, uh, make sure that I do a, a huffy puffy exercise every day, do something for me every day and do something for somebody else every day. Very simple things. Uh, and we always we joke, still to this day joke at this house because when I first met came in, I was in the process of this, this exercise. And sometimes we would go out for dinner or we'd, we'd go out with friends and come home at two or three o'clock in the morning and I would paint my nails or I'd um, paint my toenails or I'd uh, read a book or and he'd say, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning, we should be going to bed. And I'd say, yes, but I haven't done something for me today. It was five simple things that you make a commitment to do every single day for seven days. That was the start of the process. So very simple things, learn a new word, drink water every day, eat one piece of fruit or vegetable every day, things that are so easy to do that you can't miss them. There's no excuse not to do them. Now, I was already exercising and I was already thinking that I was hydrated and, you know, most days I ate fruit and vegetables, but this is a seven-day commitment of I'm going to do these things every single day. Now, what happened after seven days, I want you to imagine what that feels like. You've made a commitment to yourself. You've made a promise to yourself that you're going to do these things every single day. Seven days goes past. You've done them. Tick the box. Wow, that feels awesome. Obviously, the next thing to do then, because you've achieved that small goal, might be then, okay, I'm going to do this for a month. Now, again, it's not things that are hard to do. It's not drink two litres of water every day. It's not exercise for two hours every day. It's not learn a, do two hours of study every day. It's just simple things that are easy to do and you've got no excuse not to do them. You could still do them at two or three o'clock in the morning if you haven't done them yet. So that one week became 30 days, one month. And that one month becomes then one year. And I'd like you to imagine what it feels like at the end of the year when you've made a promise to yourself to do five simple things every day and you haven't missed. Now, I'll give you some examples of other people. It might be make your bed, uh, keep your shoes clean, do the dishes, empty the dishwasher, keep your car clean, do something every day to, to, 
to keep the car clean, do some housework every day, tell your partner that you love them every day, do something towards your study every day, learn a new muscle or bone every day, something that's really simple to do that you've got no excuse not to do. And everybody that shared with me that they've gone through this exercise, the, the, the emotions are the same. Rowie, I just felt really proud of myself. I felt I respected myself because I'd made a promise to myself that I'd kept, and I kept that promise. And the reason this has got to be such easy things to do, if, you, if it's too hard and you miss one and you don't do it, then you just feel terrible. And a lot of people, when they feel terrible, they just give up and say, it's all too hard. So again, to cut a very long story short, I decided that I would do 10 years. And one of those was to run every day for 10 years. Now, since then, I've run every day anyway, and I've, I've exercised every single day of my life. But there's been some days I've been injured where I haven't been able to run. But I made a commitment that I would run for 10 years and never miss a day. 365 days by 10 years, and I was never going to miss a day. And just imagine what that would be like. Uh, and I very clearly in my head remember touching the side of our house. We were living in Auckland in New Zealand, and it was the 31st of December, and it was the 10th year, and I had run every day for 10 years. Now, technically, 11 years, because in the first year, I think I missed one or two days, I can't remember. But I had to write in my diary, and I had, when I look through my diary, because I always record all the exercise that I do, there was a couple of days, it might only have been one day, but I knew that that first year, I had missed some of my run days. One, two, I can't remember, but it just, it bugged me. And I never wanted to feel like that ever again. So at the end of the 10th year, which technically was 11 years, because the first year I only missed a couple of days, uh, yes, it felt fantastic. But what I really want to share with you very personally is what I achieved are the other things that I achieved in that 10 years. The most powerful, successful, extraordinary, amazing years of my life. Because I made a commitment that I would never miss. I made a promise to myself and I kept that promise. Now, I don't like time frames at all. I don't like diets. I don't like challenges for weight loss. I don't like stick to something for a certain period of time. Uh, I set that 10-year goal and I haven't missed a day since either. But I just want to share with you that your internal driver will be on fire. Your self-esteem will be on fire. Is it possible that you'll have a strong self-esteem if you make promise to, promises to yourself and you keep those promises? Now, there's a gentleman behind me and one of the reasons why I love boxing. Uh, Muhammad Ali was known as the greatest and he would call himself the greatest and I always find it interesting because a lot of people are not complimentary about that statement and they criticize him and pull him down. Well, I've never been a world heavyweight boxing champion of the world, so I, first of all, have no right to make comment on boxing. Uh, but what I find really interesting is that's one of those sports where there's only two people. Two people go in, one person comes out the winner. And here's the question I've got. If you go into a, a boxing match and I live with a martial artist, so I, I have a little bit of an understanding of this headspace. I would never pretend to understand the fighting because fight, I don't do that. But if two people go onto the mat, two people go into the ring, and only one person is the winner, if you don't believe that you're the greatest, if you don't believe that you're the best, if your internal self-esteem is not on fire, how can you possibly win? 
And the second part of that is if the other person doesn't believe that you're the greatest, if they think they're the greatest, then maybe now we've got, we're actually going to have an interesting fight. But if you believe that you're the greatest and they believe that you're the greatest, you have no chance of losing. And is that physical or mental or a combination of both? And I, I don't pretend to understand that. What I do know is that's one of the reasons why I love boxing. You have to believe that you're the best because otherwise you'll lose. Would that be fair? In life, is it possible that you have to have a strong self-esteem? Otherwise, you will lose. How can you win anything? How can you win at life if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe from the inside that you can do it? Now, the beautiful thing about that statement is a lot of people think that belief comes from affirmations and reading books and studying and educating. And I don't, I have no interest in any of that. I don't know that I can do something until I've done it. And that's what's so exciting about that particular exercise. If you do something for seven days, you know that you can. If you do something for 30 days, you know that you can. You, know, you might say it's really easy, Rowie, for seven days to, to learn a new word, do something for yourself, eat some fruit and vegetables, drink some water, exercise every day and do something for somebody else every day. Easy. But you don't know you can do it until you've done it. When you've done seven days, you might go, well, you know, 30 days, that can't be that hard. But you don't know that you can do 30 days until you've done it. And once you start recording a series of dones, not hope tos, not gunners, not maybes, not set a goal and not do it. But if you actually say, I'm going to do it and then do it, is it possible that you get into the habit of doing? So you get into the habit of believing in yourself. You get into the habit of making promises to yourself and keeping those promises. And then what happens to your self-esteem? Why is this so important and who cares? Because every day I'm working with, dealing with, experiencing people who are broken. They don't like themselves. They don't like their life and they're searching for something. So they take drugs, they eat enormous amounts of food, they smoke dope, they gamble, all sorts of things to try and feel good. Well, ultimately, the feel good on the inside is your self-esteem. doesn't matter what the world thinks of you, that self-confidence, lovely. If everybody loves you, that's awesome. But if you don't love yourself, what's the point? So what are you doing every single day? The little things, the important things. Every promise you make to yourself, are you keeping that promise? Because every time you break the promise, what happens to your self-esteem? It gets broken, it gets rusty, it gets nicked, it gets cut, and we end up broken. I'm going to share that again. The outcome of do, 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 no excuses, no justification, no blame, just make a promise and do, is now I feel good about myself. And we stand differently, we think differently, our brain is different. And the, the whole underlying fundamental of all of that is to be really fit and really strong. And the only way to get fit is to get puffed. The only way to get strong is to overload your muscles and bones. And when you've got a physically fit and strong body, physical body, you're more likely to have a physically uh, sorry, mentally fit and strong brain is, could that be possible? And I ask that question a little bit sarcastically because that's how physiology works. If you want to be mentally tough, you have to push, overload, force every part of your body to get fitter and stronger and tougher. We don't know how strong we are until strong is the only option. We don't know that we're strong until we push past what we can already do. We don't get stronger by lifting the same weight over and over. We only get stronger by lifting heavier weight. And that's the beautiful thing. You know that you're stronger because you can lift heavier. You know that you can overcome a challenge because you bloody did. 
So if you want to feel good about yourself, go do. Be a doer, not a gunner. Wouldn't that be a good idea?